went through the gospel of John. It took us the entire year. We started at the very beginning, and then we ended right as school ended. And we talked about a lot what it means to trust Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. Now, this year, we're going to get into more of the practical, everyday application of trusting Jesus as Lord and Savior. So to start off our teaching this school year, we have a teaching series called Spiritual Training, where we will be exploring the spiritual disciplines. Now, when I say the word discipline, what comes to mind? Yes, Joah. Getting punished, right? Like, get, what, what's an example of when you get punished? Someone else. When you think of discipline and you're getting punished, what's an example? Jack. Like when you lie and your parents punish you? Sure, yeah. What, what else comes to mind when you hear the word discipline? Yeah, Avery. Get your phone taken away. So a form of punishment, is that, is that usually by parents or is that also by teachers? Parents? And then Mr. Hantax also saying teachers take phones away. Yeah, yeah. Well, so anybody else? What's one more? I need one more example. When you think discipline, what comes to mind when you think of the word discipline? Cares. Guilt. What, why guilt? Yeah, so you're, you get discipline because you, you've done something wrong and you feel bad about it. Yeah, yeah. Discipline, as defined in the dictionary, is the practice of training people to obey rules or a code of behavior and using punishment to correct disobedience. So I, I, I want to say that there's... Um, from this definition, we see two different types of discipline, and not all of them are bad. Usually we think a negative connotation when we hear discipline. The first uh, type of discipline we see is self-discipline, or the practicing training yourself to have certain habits or to obey certain rules. And that's not bad, right? Like you, you yourself are trying to be self-disciplined in something, so you're making choices to discipline yourself not because you're in trouble, but because you want to create a habit that is, that is positive. And then the second form of discipline that we see out of this definition is what we call corrective discipline. That's when you fail to obey certain rules and people in authority punish to correct your mis- misbehavior. So when we talk about spiritual training, uh, when we're talking about being self-disciplined, it's because we're, we're being self-disciplined in order to grow in our sanctification, which is a big word, which just means becoming more like Jesus. And um, we see this concept of self-discipline in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 24 through 27. So if you have your Bibles with you, uh, we're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. If you don't have it, it's on the screen, if you can read that. So, First uh, Corinthians chapter 9, verses 24 through 27. Now, I have to add this. This is like one of my favorite verses in the Bible. It's the first section of the Bible that I um, was able to recite and memorize because it meant a lot to me because of the picture that it gives. And so, I'm going to read this to you and see if we can draw some conclusions from this as well. First Corinthians 9, 24. Don't you know That the runners in a stadium all race, but only one receives the prize. Run in such a way 
to win the prize. Now, everyone who competes exercises self-control in everything. They do it to receive a perishable crown, but we an imperishable crown. So I do not run like one who runs aimlessly or box like one boxing the air. Instead, I discipline my body and bring it under strict control so that after preaching to others, I myself will not be disqualified. So here we see this idea of spiritual discipline, and it's a self-discipline. And it's so that we can be effective glorifying God in our lives and preaching the gospel to others. So we'll be exploring five spiritual disciplines uh, to start off this school year. And the first one that we'll be uh, exploring tonight, the spiritual discipline of scripture reading. So we know that it's a good thing to read our Bibles. Normally, everyone would say, yes, is it a good thing to read your Bibles? Yes, everyone would raise their hand and say, yes, we would agree that it's a good thing to read our Bibles. It's not a bad thing, is it? it would, I don't think anyone would say it's necessarily a bad thing to read our Bibles. We know it to be a good thing. And so I have to ask, you know, how does reading our Bible help us train spiritually? How does reading our Bible train us spiritually? Because, like, we, we want to, to be self-disciplined. We want to train well. So we have to ask this question and so I asked this question of, well, it went too far. Why is scripture reading a spiritual discipline? So if, if we assume that it's good, how does it help us? And so the question naturally becomes, why is Bible reading a, scripture, uh, a spiritual discipline? Now let me answer this uh, like this. So, so if we desire to know more about God, or what it means to be a Christian, if we are committed followers of Jesus, then uh, we need to know and go where God reveals himself so that we can show how to glorify him. Scripture reading is a spiritual discipline because you're taking time out of your own day. You're saying no to something else. You're disciplining yourself by saying no to something and saying yes to spending time to learning the Bible and learning about God and how to be relational with God. So it's a discipline because you're saying no to something to say yes to spending time with God. That's why we consider reading a spiritual discipline. But you need to know what God says about how to live your life in order to live a life that glorifies God. It's like trying to play football without knowing the rules. How many football players do we have in here? We have a handful, right? We got a handful of football players, right? Let's say I don't know how to play football. Can I tackle anywhere? Can I tackle anywhere on a person? If I'm trying to tackle someone, can I grab the face mask and rip it off? What is that? What, what would happen if I grabbed a face mask on a, on a fo- in a football game? You get a flag and you get a penalty, right? You, you, would, you, would, you would need to teach me the rules before I would step on a football field to play a game of football, right? What about basketball. How many basketball people do we have in here? Anybody play basketball? I played basketball. I played a lot, a lot of basketball. Can, can I just take the ball and run with it? No? Why? What, what would happen? What happened if I took that basketball and took multiple steps and just ran to the hoop to put it in? What, what would happen? So one of my basketball players over on this side, what would happen? Traveling, Traveling right? 
you need to tell me that traveling is against the rules. I would need to know the rules before I would participate and play the game. What about math? I, I, I know I, I didn't particularly love math in school. Um, but, like, you had to learn fractions. Uh, t- and before you learn fractions, in order to do fractions, you had to learn what division was. You know, if you're in band, how many of you are in band? How many of you play an instrument? I played an instrument when I was going through school, yeah. An instrument, you, uh, before you can play a song on an instrument, you need to know how to play the different notes on the instrument. You, know, you need to know how to read sheet music, right? Before you play the song, you need to know how the instrument works and what to play. The same goes with trying to live a life that glorifies God. You know, you, you need to know what to do and how to do it. And it starts with reading what God has revealed to us, revealed to all of humanity in the Bible. Now, we're going to explore this concept a little further in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 14 through 17. I'm going to read it quick, and then we're going to split it into groups and, and talk about it. 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 14 through 17. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and firmly believed. You know that those who taught you, and you know that from infancy you have known the sacred scriptures which are able to give you wisdom for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be complete and equipped for every work. Now, what we're going to do is we're going to split into three large sections, and I'm going to give you each a verse, and then I'm going to split you further into groups. So let's say group number one is going to be everybody basically from, so you guys are, you're over there, but, um, and Molly, basically everyone that's next to you and over. And then actually this group, you're over here as well. You guys are going to go through verses 14 and 15, okay? Uh, these first two rows here of guys, you're going to go through verse 15, or, yeah, 16, sorry. You're going to go through verse 16, and then Amber's row of girls, and then the two rows of guys, or the row of guys behind her, you're going to go through verse 17. This is what we're going to do. You're going to split into groups of three to four, So you're going to split that large group into even smaller. So you guys are over there, and you guys are over there. And you're going to split into groups of three to four people. And this is what you're going to do. You're going to ask yourself two questions. According to this passage, what is one benefit of reading Scripture? You're going to look at the verse that I assigned you, and you're going to find one benefit of reading Scripture. What does that passage, that verse, have to say about benefiting uh, the benefit of reading scripture. And then the second question you're going to answer is according to that verse that I assigned you, how would a person's life look different if they lived it out, if they took advantage of reading the Bible? Okay, so I'm going to go back to the slide that shows the verses so you can look at it. But what's one benefit that you see in the verse that I assigned you, reading scripture, and then what would it look like in a person's life to take advantage of, of reading scripture, how would it look like for that person to live out that benefit of reading scripture? Okay, so we got verses 14 and 15 over here, and that includes you guys. Verse 16 over here, the first two row of guys, and then Amber's row and the guys row behind her. 
have verse 17. I'm giving you five minutes. Okay, in the uh, first group, in the verses 14 through 15, what was a benefit that you found that the verses talked about uh, that you could have by reading Scripture? What was a benefit? What was the benefit of reading? Yes, Gracie. Yeah, so benefit is you could spread the gospel to others, right? Like, because in this passage you see in Timothy, he received that knowledge from his parents. And we know that he received that also from his grandparents. It says from a young age, an infancy age, he understood gospel truths. Yeah, what was another benefit from another group that I gave that passage to 15, 14 through 15? Liam, you want to? I saw your hand go up. No? Oh, who was? No, my group was 1415. Yeah, that's okay. So what's another benefit that you see in 1415 of Bible reading? Yes. Right, yeah, with Bible reading, it gives you the knowledge and understanding of how to be saved through faith in Christ Jesus. What about the second question? According to this passage or those verses, what would a person's life look different if they took advantage or if they applied that benefit to their lives. What did, what did this group come up with? Someone in this group. What was uh, an answer to how a person's life would look different? My group. How would a person's life look different? Go for it, Rex. Right, so if you are saved, if you know and have the wisdom to salvation, the Spirit indwells in you, and you know what's right, and you know what's wrong. You're not blind to that anymore. Okay, uh, this group, uh, verse 16, what was uh, a benefit that you found to Bible reading that that verse talked about? What was the benefit that that verse talked about in verse 16? Yes, go for it, Jack. What was that? So it was a benefit to, to be a teacher, Oh, it teaches. Yes, yes. Yes, Scripture is your teacher. Yes. Yes, you can learn. If it's something is your teacher, the implications is that you're learning something. Yeah. What was another thing, uh, a benefit that you saw from verse 16 that it talked about Bible reading? How else does reading Scripture benefit you? There's a lot in verse 16. That's another way. Max's group, did you guys come up with something? Yeah. What? Oh, no, 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 no. Different, different X. What, what, what's another word in there that says that Scripture is profitable or beneficial for? Here, I'll put it back up. Correcting. Yes. To know when something is wrong so that you can correct that behavior and glorify God. Yeah. Okay. Uh, question number two for this same group. According to a person's life, how would, uh, according to this passage, how would a person's life look different if they took advantage of that benefit in Scripture? Yes, Jack. Yeah, so you can parent better, right? Yeah, so you can also teach others, yeah? Asher, what about your group? What was, a, what was an application that you found um, from that passage? I'll go to that passage again. But how would a person's life change? if they applied that benefit of Scripture to their life. Right? Yep, yep. So you can, you realize when you're wrong, yeah? Not only is it to correct, but it's also to help you to realize when you're wrong too, right? Yep, 
Okay, third group, verse uh, 17. What was one benefit of reading scripture that you found in that verse? Mr. Hantak's group back there. Or Landon's group. Oh, Noah. Noah's got Noah's got a really good one. Yeah, yeah, I mean, and so the, the, the verses so that the man of God or woman of God or the person of God may be complete and equipped for every good work, it's so that they can uh, live that out in life, right? So the, the question then is, is what would be a changed person? What, what would change in a person that lived that out? What's a practical way that a person would change to live that benefit out? What about Amber's group? The one that Amber is sitting next to. Landon's got an answer. What was your answer, Landon? This is the last, last question before we move on. How would a person's life change if they took advantage of the truth in verse 17? Josie, you got one? Or no, Eliza's got one? Right? They'd be mature. Yeah, keep going. Yeah, they would be godlike. Yeah, they wouldn't feel inadequate. You know, they, they would be able to present the gospel well, right? They would be ready to share the gospel with others um, if they were equipped and if they had uh, that knowledge. So uh, hopefully we can see that scripture reading benefits us to glorify God with our lives. Hopefully you see that. But some of us, some of us here tonight, don't really care about benefiting your life in a godly way. You know, you may be here tonight, and you're like, yeah, yeah, you know, whatever. You know, it might be good for others to read, but I, psh, I don't like reading, and so I don't see a need for my life to read Scripture. I mean, you're basically asking the question, you know, why should I care about Scripture reading? Sure, it might benefit me, but why should I care? And so in order to answer this question, we have to first lay a foundation. And that foundation starts where we started our teaching series last year in John 1, 1. John 1, 1 through 5 says, In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. All things were created through Him, and apart from Him, not one thing was created that has been created. In Him was life, and that life was the light of men. That light shines in the darkness, and yet the darkness did not overcome it. So what what this is saying, when when John says the word, word, he is referring to Jesus. We know this when we talked about this last year. And now if you were with us last year, we talked about how you can prove the existence of Jesus Christ. We talked about how Jesus isn't just a myth or a good idea. He was a historical, real person. And there is proof that Jesus Christ actually lived on earth. Now we know that Jesus was also fully God and fully man. So basically what this means is that whatever Jesus spoke out of his mouth are words coming directly from God. Which means that every word that was spoken is another word that God spoke directly and revealed himself to humanity. 
No one ever who has ever lived spoke the word of God whenever they spoke. Sure, Old Testament prophets spoke for God. Yes, New Testament apostles spoke for God. But not every single word they spoke revealed who God was. Only Jesus has done that. Only Jesus, every word he spoke, revealed something about the nature of God. Because that's the case, he's referred to in John by the Word. So let's see some of the things that Jesus said while he was on earth. Matthew 4, 4 said, he answered, it, it is written, man must not live on bread alone, but every, on every word that comes from the mouth of God. And this basically just means that to be truly alive is much more than just being physically alive, but also spiritually alive. And this happens when we follow God's Word. And Jesus also says in John 8, 30 through 32, as he was saying these things, many believed in him. Then Jesus said to the Jews who had believed in him, if you continue in my word, you are really my disciples and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. And this means that to be truly considered a follower of Jesus, you must continually and throughout your life obey and follow what the Bible says. In order to obey and follow, one must first know what the Bible says. That's why you and I should care about Scripture reading as a spiritual discipline, as a habit. Because maybe you're here tonight, and you've never trusted in Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, and you know that you haven't been following God's uh, how He says to live, and if you died tonight, we talked about guilt earlier, you know that you would stand guilty before God, and One, I just want to let you know that you can be forgiven of your sin, that you can be shown grace and love that comes only from God. Scripture says if you confess your sins, God is faithful to forgive, and we know this to be true because Scripture says it. The Bible says so, and we can trust the Bible because we know for a fact that Jesus actually lived on earth, and I just want to encourage you that if you don't have a right relationship with God, tonight and you're curious, please go talk to your small group leader. Talk to me and ask any question you have after the lesson is over. We'd love to dialogue and answer those questions and help you understand what it means to have a right relationship with God. But maybe you're here tonight and you've already confessed Jesus as Lord and Savior of your life. You're a follower of Jesus and you're living a life to, to to glorify Him. Maybe you've tried your, tried Bible reading trying to read the scriptures, but it seems like you've just got stuck over and over again. That you, you start, and then it stops for a long, 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 long time. Like you read it for a week, and then you hit a point where it's just too hard to understand. And maybe you feel like you don't have the time, and maybe something else comes up, and it just gets pushed off. Now, I, I want to ask you this question, and we're going to talk about this in a little bit, but what stops you from reading your Bible? What stops you from reading your Bible? You know, is it, I don't have enough time. It's hard to understand. I don't know where to start or what it even looks like to start. Maybe you're like, you know, it's really hard to make scripture reading a habit. So I I want you to raise your hand if you relate to any of these statements. If you felt this at any time in your life that you can be like, I've been there. 
I have, I've seen this, I've recognized this in my life, that this, one of these things have, has been my excuse for stop reading the Bible. You can put your hands down. Thank you for your honesty. You know, I can relate to about every single one of them. For me personally, I didn't start reading my Bible consistently um, on, on a habitual basis until about four and a half years ago. Uh, so, I, you know, I'm, tw- I'm turning 20. Got to do the math in my head. Turning 27. Turning 27 tomorrow. And only the last four and a half years have I spent reading my Bible consistently. Now, for me, you know, I, I was in your shoes. I, you know, I was a middle school, high school student. You know, for me, I got saved when I was in high school. It was between the summer between my uh, freshman and sophomore year in school. I got saved at a church camp. And I knew I was supposed to read my Bible, and I would try to read my Bible. And I was that, hey, I'll go for about a week, and then I wouldn't read it for, like, months. So, like, I've been there, like, trying to, to read before school starts, and then later in that week, you get a lot of homework, and it's harder to wake up, and you really want to sleep in a little bit longer, and so you choose sleeping in over reading your Bible. Like, I've been there. Like, I fully understand, and I fully get it. I've been there. It was really hard to have anything consistent when I was in high school. Now, you move past high school in my life. I hit college. I might have been reading a little more, but usually that was just when I was in group settings or was in preparation to lead a Bible study. Even as I was going to Bible college, I might have been doing homework that involved reading the Bible, but I wasn't reading it for myself or on my own. I wasn't reading for my own benefit to be closer, closer relationally with God or to grow my knowledge about God. It was to complete a task. And that was when I was at Bible college. And about three years into Bible college, I hit probably the hardest patch of life that I've ever, I've ever had to go through. Some of you know the story from me sharing it a couple years ago. But I was in a really, really bad relationship. I hit rock bottom. I was previously engaged to somebody else. And it was a very unhealthy relationship. It was sinful. It was unbiblical. I was in it because I wanted to feel good. I wanted to be known. I wanted to be loved. And I searched for affection in other places than God. I was looking for satisfaction in other areas. I thought other things were more important than spending time with God. And so I pursued this relationship as unhealthy and sinful as it was until... God pulled me out of it, and I recognized I shouldn't be there, and I had already proposed, we were engaged, and I had to break off an engagement. I had, had to hit rock bottom, and it was after that that God, uh, through, through a sermon that I was listening to during that time of my life, God basically called me out and was like, Kent, like, you need to change your life. Like, you need a revival in your spirit, because you claim to be a Christian, but you're not living it. And so God instilled in me a desire to know him more, to start living in a Christ-like way. And I, ha- and I started reading more. I'll be honest, I started reading, and it was very sporadic. It was maybe a couple of days here and there, and then I would stop. And a couple of days more here and there, and then it would stop. But over time, the habit grew more consistent. I started reading Proverbs. Then I read John. And then... Praise God, something that helped me is I started reading the Bible with somebody. I picked a friend who I was close to. Yes, it was my now wife. 
who I was then dating, but I was like, I need somebody to keep me accountable to read through Scripture. So we chose a reading plan and read through the entire Bible. And it was amazing. And we read daily. We were supposed to read daily. There's a couple days we missed. But we would catch up and we would read daily. And it was helpful to have someone to do that with. And so I, I just want to encourage you if, you, if you relate to number one, if you feel like you don't have enough time, I want to challenge you with this. Do you think that you could give 1% of your entire day to spend time reading your Bible and spending time with Jesus? 1%. That seems reasonable, yeah? You know what 1% of your day is? It's about 15 minutes. 15 minutes is 1% of your entire day. If you, if you ask yourself, I don't have enough time, you know, what are you putting for 15 minutes? Can you say no to something? Can you say no to a video game for 15 minutes? Can you say no to your phone for 15 minutes and, and read your Bible and give God at least just 1% of your day? Maybe you relate with number two. You know, it's hard to understand. There's so many resources out there. Like, download the app, Got Questions. It's great. It'll help you work through it. Um, if you need help, there's study Bibles um, that we have to give to you that explains passages, especially difficult passages. Especially if you're an eighth grader and you've been here since I've been giving Bibles away as graduation presents, those Bibles are so helpful to help you understand the Bible. You just got to read it. It's there to help you as a resource. And if you still find it confusing, come to me and I have so many more things that I could help give you to, to help you understand what you're reading. Maybe you're, you relate with number three. I don't know where to start. You know, that was me. I had no idea where to start. I picked Proverbs because I knew it was 31, and there was about 31 days in a month. And if I started, or 31 days in a month, yeah, and if I read one proverb a day, I could make a habit by reading for an entire month and completing one book of the Bible. That was for me. But I, I encourage you, just pick a book to read, to study. I would, uh, if you don't know where that is, I, I would encourage you to pick a gospel. You know, we went through the book of John last year. Pick Mark, pick Luke, pick Matthew, and just work through that gospel. And when we're done with that gospel, go to Acts and read Acts. Even though you might know stories, I encourage you to go read through them. Maybe you relate with number four. You know, it's hard to make a habit of it. You've tried, you, have, you might have a desire, you might know where to start, and you have those resources, but it's such a hard time to make it a habit. I'm going to challenge you. Find a friend and ask them if you can join their Bible reading plan if they have one. If they don't have one, start one together. Find a friend to read the Bible through together, to read daily, to make sure that they're reading, to ask them where they're at in the Bible reading plan. Find a friend and do it together. It'll be one of the most beneficial things you do as a student during this season of life. I think it'd be incredible if you found a friend and you read through a book of the Bible together to discuss it together. I think that would be awesome for our students to get involved with. Now, I just want to remind all of us in this that there is grace and there is forgiveness in areas where we fail. Because as much as reading God's word should be a priority on our list, many times it's not. Either it's pushed off to the side or it's done until the very last minute of the day. Or maybe 
it's just something to rush through, make a checklist of, and we don't do it um, in a wor- worshipful way. We fail often in this area. And so my encouragement to you is to pray to God for forgiveness. He is faithful to forgive those who confess their sin and pray. This is going to be key. You confess it, you realize that, and you ask God, you pray to God to change your heart attitude in it. If you desire to know God more, ask God, God, please change my heart to to make it a priority to read with you. Help me to reach out to that friend to start that plan. God, help me to understand what I'm reading, because right now it's really difficult, but change my heart so that I can know and grow to glorify you. Now, I want you to split into those same three groups again. And I want you to go through these questions in your group. One, why do you find it hard to read your Bible? Be honest. Talk about it. Two, what can you do differently to help make Scripture reading... uh, What can you do differently to help you make Scripture reading a consistent spiritual discipline in your life? I worded that really poorly on the screen. Uh, Number three, uh, what area of heart of your heart do you need to ask God to change? What area of your heart do you need need to ask God to change? Okay, so go back into your groups, the same groups that we had, and go through these three questions. At the end, I need you to pray in your groups. You're going to pray in your groups, and then when we're done, I will pray to close our time together. Okay, guys, if I can have your attention, I'm going to close us in prayer. Students, turn your seats around. I'm going to close us in prayer, and then um, we'll let you guys uh, be dismissed. But I'm going to pray. So please be quiet. Fold your hands. Close your eyes. Bow your heads. Let's pray to God. God, I just want to thank you for tonight, just for um, just all the students who showed up. God, I pray that we would take tonight seriously, that we would take spiritual discipline seriously, that we would desire to to grow in our relationship with you and to glorify you more um, with our lives. God, and specifically, I pray for scripture reading.